The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. We're back. It's Friday, January 5th on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I'm joined, as always, by Matthew Backup Quarterback Betts. If you didn't spend your morning... Kyle, watching highlights of Jeff Driscoll, uh, Carson Wentz <laughs> tape from the Eagles days, uh, Pierre Strong highlights from college when he was in South Dakota State. You're not ready for the slate. That's all I'm going to say. So welcome to Nasty Boy Week here on the show. Uh, Kyle, I hope you're ready to get that drop warmed up because we're going to be using it, I think, every two minutes <laughs> on the show today. Uh, what a slate we have in front of us. Yeah, it's it it's going to get real nasty and that's okay. Because we're going to get you prepared. We're going to make sure that you have the 4K quarterback of your choice, of your dreams even, this week on, on DraftKings. Uh, running backs galore. Backup running backs. It is really fun because the nasty boys that we're talking about this week, uh, man, I, it's a different game. Like, we are playing a different game of DFS. If I were to explain DFS to, I don't know, just some idiot out there that's never played before, you know, that, you know that person you're thinking of right now, your brother-in-law, your cousin, <laughs> your wife. Maybe it's your boss, your wife. <laughs> Not your wife. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> wife's like, I already think it's dumb. I don't really care to hear about Jordan Mason. Uh, you're explaining a different strategy this week. Okay, the the salary remains the same, but what the field is going to do is very different. So we'll talk about that in cash. Like, okay, so which way do you go? What is the field mostly going to do? Because I see a common construction already bubbling up. Uh, you still need to wait. I would say like roster percentages. If you're listening to this, this comes out on Friday. I would still wait until Saturday to get a firm grasp of roster percentages because we still have players every single day. We get teams, uh, little whispers in the bushes, right? Of maybe this team sits this player. So uh, keep your head on a swivel, as they say, and uh, be ready to pivot. Any uh any strategy for the folk? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, this is a the toughest week of the year, I think, but also the best week if you're willing to uh, really stay plugged in throughout the next two or three days and get a good sense of who's playing, A, and B, who is actually playing with motivation to win. I put out a full article on that this week on the site. You can check that out. It's free. Uh, week 18 motivation and player incentives. Basically looking at, you know, who cares, who doesn't this week, uh, which team is going to rest starters, which team is a candidate to pull guys early, stuff like that. So it kind of gets you in the right mindset of how to attack this slate. But I will say, even as of Friday morning when you're listening to this, I think there's still going to be a couple pieces of news that drop and we're like, oh, okay, now we got to adjust and, and that player isn't going to play. So I would say up until Saturday evening, Sunday morning, you might get a couple of news items that will really adjust the slate. So don't get uh, locked in too early on the slate and definitely be willing to be flexible because I think it's going to be a wild, wild weekend, man. Yeah, and just to kind of highlight, set the table for the next couple of weeks through the playoffs, you can go to DFSPass.com if you want all of our picks. This show will sadly be moving to just one a week uh, as we kind of transition to this next little season. 
you didn't know, the main Fantasy Footballers podcast just goes to two a week. But when you really start to add it in, and I have thought about this, like, okay, well, you know, we say it's the off season. The Fantasy Footballer still has Spitballers that comes out Monday, Main Show Tuesday, Thursday, Dynasty on Wednesday, DFS Embedding on Friday. So we're still five days a week. Throw in the footcast if you want to get a little extra episode. I mean, you can still get football basically 24-7 from us. So we're here for you. It is crazy. Like literally there will be a podcast coming out every single day of the week from the fantasy footballers. So uh, you can still stay plugged in, stay plugged into our discord channel. We talk DFS in the off season. So, you know, basketball, other stuff, we, we begin to talk about props. And then as we move closer to the NFL draft, we talk about props that you can drop there. So uh, DFSpass.com. And then another reminder for the friendly folks out there, if you love us, if you care about us, if you care about our future, you can go to footclanvote.com and vote for Bets and I. Uh, we are up for an award, this podcast, for the best fantasy and sports betting podcast from the Sports Podcast Group Awards. It would be a great way for you to end the year and tell us, hey, this had a lot of value for us. So it's really simple, really quick to vote. So footclanvote.com if you want to be a part of that this week. I'm going to find the button. Here it is. Straight cash, homie. Should I just narrate the entire time what I'm doing behind the scenes? <laughs> that would be great. People love that. Yeah, people, it's it's really good for podcasting to say like, I will now be doing this as I scroll down on my Google Doc and our lovely, our lovely show doc. By the way, uh, you and I, I still need to get the number together, but I think we've done like 400 shows together over the years. Really? Uh, something like that. Do you, That's like, a ton. Do people realize like, it's not just the audio stuff. It's not like we just have like a couple of sticky notes here. Like our show docs are pretty on point. Sometimes, usually, especially when you're in charge of them, uh, color coded and graphics and, you know, links to other articles and just it's dude, it's, it's the real deal, especially when you and I are recording. And you, you mentioned 400. I was like, is that right? But remember the DFS show? I don't know, four years ago. It was just in season, like week one to super bowl and done and then you and i said no 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 we're gonna get this thing going all off season uh for the real sickos out there that are just like us then we brought in some betting so we've, we've really grown the show and i'm pretty proud of that so yeah man it's been fun it's been a fun ride and a fun year we got week 18 though man this is our slate let's get to it yep so looking at our best plays so far as of this recording and once again saturday make sure you stay tuned to news you find our best play article in the dfs pass I'm seeing a common roster construction this week. And and you just tell me before we get into the specifics. I'm seeing cheap quarterback. You can probably get three running backs and at least two of them are super cheap. And then you're able to pay up at least at two spots at wide receiver. I feel like so far that is a common construction. Yeah. And the tricky thing is, is that, you know, when you're looking at like, okay, well, usually we're spending up at running back to try to fit one of CMC or Kyron. Uh, you know, maybe we're trying to jam in Tyreek. Maybe we're trying to jam in another AK wide receiver. It's like, there's really not a lot of guys to spend money on this week that you feel good about or that are actually going to play. That's CeeDee Lamb. That's Justin Jefferson. That's Amon Ross St. Brown. And that's kind of it at the top tier, especially on DraftKings because on FanDuel, they included the Dolphins-Buffalo game. On DraftKings, they did not. So very annoying when they, when they do that. But yeah, because there's no no place to really spend up, those are going to be pretty chalky wide receiver plays for good reason, obviously. But to fit those guys, 
A lot of people are going to drop down to the Jeff Driscolls of the world. Ooh, maybe Carson baby. Wentz. Uh, maybe who's the Chiefs uh, backup? It's, it's Blaine uh, Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> Blaine Gabbert of the world. Um, Nick Mullins. So like, there's just cheap guys you can play. And then at running back, which we're going to talk about these guys in a minute, uh, you know, CMC, like I said, won't play. Uh, I don't think Jerome Ford's going to play. So you're opening up guys like Jordan Mason, Pierre Strong, even with Kyron Williams out, um, Ronnie Rivers maybe for like the Rams. So it is basically the preseason with a couple of studs mixed in. Uh, very unique slate, obviously. Yeah, there's there some there, there's some nasty boys. It's also players that like 2018 called and they uh, they wanted to <laughs> see if they could be a part of this conversation week 18. I mean, it's Sam Darnold. Yeah, uh, third overall pick. Carson Wentz, second overall pick. Blaine Gabbert, by the way, tenth overall pick by the Jaguars. Yeah, he was a top ten guy. I forgot about that. Yeah, the Jaguars basically said, "Hey, let's let's try this with Gabbert. Oh, let's try it with Bortles. No, no, let's try it with Lawrence." And the Jets are basically <laughs> the same thing too, right? Like well, the Jets have been get, right. Yeah, well, the, the Jets have been Darnold. They've been Zach Wilson. I'm forgetting somebody. I know they took Geno in the second round. Took Mark Sanchez. Hey, a probably years somebody... ago they took they took Christian Hackenberg in the second round. They're they're dummies. They're just they're idiots. Okay, so of the cheapos this week, the Nick Mullins, five point one K, Jeff Driscoll at the Stone Men four K is a dream. If you know anything about Jeff Driscoll, he's kind of like a running joke on the main show because well, one, there's like a video game reference that the ballers always use. But on top of that, the dude runs. The dude should not be in the league, by the way. Like, it's amazing that he is still holding on to an NFL job. He was on the Arizona practice squad. He's 4K. He does run a little bit. He has 11 career starts bets. I looked that up. It's uh, <clears throat> uh, only uh, seven more than Trey Lance in his career. We're not going to talk about that. Um, you, you said it, dude. The most important part of Jeff Driscoll this week is that he is 4K. And that's the reason you would play him. Uh, taking on the Bengals. Now, I will say the market swung completely in favor of the Bengals who are expected to play their guys or at least most of them they are seven point road underdogs so on paper it is not a clean spot for Jeff Driscoll but you mentioned his 11 starts I went back and watched every single no I'm just kidding (laughs) I went back and looked at his game logs from those starts he has averaged 13.6 fantasy points uh, per game in those starts at 4k if he gives you anything between 12 and 15 points that's probably going to be okay. Now, the issue with this that I look back on, and you mentioned the running, some of those pretty good like 50, 60-yard rushing games were in like 2019, 2018. Dude, it's 2023, 2024 at this point. <laughs> like That was so long ago. So I don't think you can necessarily count on that definitely happening. It is in his bag. I will also say I didn't even know he was on this roster until this week. So clearly the expectations are low. I would expect a very vanilla game plan from the Browns here. Like, let's just get out of here and and move on to the playoffs sort of thing. So I get it. I feel really uneasy about clicking his name though in cash, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I I also like the Bengals defense this week. Like it, they're a really good play at three K. So Driscoll is a fun player to play, but I probably, I like I'll play around with it. 4k is so cheap. People like you say, even like Nick Mullins were like, Oh, that's 5.1. That's so cheap. Like 4k is you're jamming in another stud in your lineup. So play around with well, the projections. And, and context too, right? So think about this. On a slate where, like there's on DraftKings, no Josh Allen, no Pat Mahomes, Tua, you know, the list goes on and on. 
we're not sure Jalen Hurts definitely plays the whole game. Like it slowly becomes a situation where you're like, okay, 12 points from a 4K quarterback. If I get 18 from someone like Gino or, you know, whoever else, like, is that better to save the money? Because if you play Jeff Driscoll, and this is the real, this is the real strength of him, is you can play both C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson very comfortably. So just for context, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I, Jeff Driscoll went to Florida, Louisiana Tech, like just a fun quarterback, but I probably won't be playing him. I'm kind of deciding right now between Nick Mullins, we'll preview that game, who's just, I love Nick Mullins because he just doesn't care. Like, he's aggressive. So I like that. They're in a must-win game. And then Justin Fields, who's the expensive option this week that makes the most sense, is on the road, 7.2. You know you're going to get a rushing floor. So those are kind of the two. Do you have a lean right now? Uh, as far as the expensive guys? Yeah. Well, I guess we're throwing Nick Mullins in there. He's not really expensive, but <laughs> I do like him. The, the boys. <laughs> 5.1 makes so much sense. When he started against these lines, uh, the Vikings ran a top five neutral pass rate. And, you know, you can't really run on the Lions. You have to throw on them. So the matchup makes sense as far as that's concerned. Obviously, you no know, TJ Hawkinson kind of hurts a little, but he has Jefferson. He has Addison, uh, you know, the running backs out of the backfield. So I think it's okay. Um, again, it's just a matter of pricing at this point. Do you want to spend 5.1 or, or spend 4K? I do think uh, at the top, Fields is an awesome, awesome tournament play because if all these scrubs just kind of like fraud around to get 12 points and Fields come out for 25, Dak has an okay but not incredible game, and Fields is the quarterback one on the slate. You can separate in a huge way. Um, so I do love Justin Fields for tournaments. We're going to talk a lot about DJ Moore later. Um, so I love that. And then I will say, if you did want to spend up for Dak in cash, I think it's viable. It's not yeah. my preferred way to to play this slate for cash games. But if you did, just because you say, hey, I know he's good. I know the Cowboys are a good team that are motivated to win this game. They have a 29.5 implied team total. It's the highest on the slate by a wide margin. Taking on the Commanders obviously do it it's a it's a good spot any love for jordan love at 6.6 i feel like he's been solid and you get a high floor on a week that you mentioned like there's there's guys that are going to put up six seven points at quarterback this week because they they shouldn't be in the league i would love it by the way if uh carson wentz was like qb1 in the week you know those days are gone kyle we don't talk about that anymore can i can i tell you who the qb1 in week 18 was last year. Guess who it was? Oh, I know. It was Davis Mills. Oh, man. Dang it. That was my fun fact of the day. QB4. Do you remember who QB4 was? That I don't. Davis Webb. That's my fun fact. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Two Davises in the top five. Uh, I would all right, never so those are, that. Those are our quarterback plays. Tyrod's also interesting on FanDuel. If you want to look that way at running back, there's a bunch of cheap guys. I think Jordan Mason will end up being our favorite. You know, yes. we still have to wait and get some news, but at 4.6, he's going to get a ton of work against the Rams. He might be one of the best values on the slate. Yeah, for reference, if you're not aware, he plays for the 49ers. Uh, they are not going to have Christian McCaffrey this week. They are probably not going to have Elijah Mitchell and or not use him if he is active. Um, Matt Barrows, who covers the team with the Athletic, was talking about the situation at running back. And look, Elijah Mitchell... He's been injured literally since he entered the NFL, but specifically this year, he's been dealing with a knee injury for pretty much the entire season. So he's the RB2 on this roster. If he's banged up at all, 
Are they going to put him through a ton of work with the playoffs looming? Probably not. And so Jordan Mason should be, like you said, in line for a ton of work. As it stands, if Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey are both ruled out, he is the only active running back on the roster. They would probably elevate uh, Ty Davis Price from the practice squad. But even so, I mean, he would be getting plenty of work to pay off a 4.6 tag against the Rams backups. So Jordan Mason, to me, is probably the best running back play on the slate for cash games when you're talking about, you know, adjusting for salary. Let's talk about two stone men, guys. Since we're talking cheap, Mason's 4.6. Pierre Strong is 4K. Ronnie Rivers of the Rams is 4K. Strong plays for the, the Browns. I need to mention that this week. Usually we just kind of assume, but there's a bunch of randos this week. But any interest in those two guys? I, I think Strong does have a pass catching profile. It's kind of interesting. I would not play Driscoll and Strong together, although that is only 8K for two players, which is hilarious. Uh, and then Ronnie Rivers, I just need to confess, um, he looks like the, like he looks like a little like ten year old kid out on the field, like his his demeanor, his face, and I can't not think about a player from backyard baseball sports. Which if you ever played backyard sports on your computer, oh yes, I mean you and Pablo and Sanchez and the gang, Pete Wheeler, they were <laughs> awesome. Ronnie Dobbs though was not a good player; he was a little squirt, and that's what I think of every time I think of Ronnie Rivers. All right, so you can't play Ryan Rivers, obviously. Nope. Um, no, I think between those two, I would I would take Pierre Strong. Uh, both the guys are 4K, so it's just, yes, can you give me 8 or 10 points? Probably. And you said with Pierre Strong, he does have the pass-catching profile uh, that we look for. Very small sample in uh, the NFL. He is averaging 5.53 yards per carry. This is a guy that was drafted, I think, fourth round by the Patriots out yes. of South Dakota State, then traded when, I think it was when the, the Nick Jack Chubb Rabbits. injury happened. The Jackrabbits, that's right. Traded to Cleveland this year to give them some depth after the Nick Chubb injury. Um, and kind of, again, reading the tea leaves, they said they're going to uh, rest some starters. We don't know who that is specifically, so we need to monitor that news. But again, thinking about the context of the running back room, Drum Ford, clearly the RB1. Cream Hunt, been in the NFL for seven or eight years at this point, battling a groin injury for six weeks. Are they going to give him a ton of run in week 18 in a meaningless game? No. So it probably will be Pierre Strong and maybe John Kelly from the practice squad if those two guys don't play. So you will be seeing plenty of work for a running back to pay off 4K. I have not heard the name John Kelly in a while. University of Tennessee, great. Uh, just a couple of dudes just talking, you know, football and college football and where people went. That's just what I love it, do. dude. It's fun to look back. And I was also, dead serious. I watched some Pierre Strong highlights this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I get to victory lap a Jerome Ford? Do I, am I allowed to? Oh, about the best ball? Yeah. Takes? That's, um, that's it. You know, it's not the best look because dude, Nick he Chubb was got top injured. three in my exposures. I know. I didn't but win would, money, but but the rationale for taking those guys anyway is because if something happens to the guy in front of them, they pay off their ADP. And well, there was an injury to Jerome Ford in like August or something, right? He had like a minor tweak in training camp, and you like freaked out or something. What was <laughs> I it? was like, all my best ball shares are done. Yeah, he I was. What it was though. He was solid. He wasn't great. If you look back, you're like. He, like he kind of accumulated like he's RB 15 on the season so um I'll take it because uh best ball wasn't the kindest to me this year we'll, we'll reflect no. you and I have some episodes coming up where we get to reflect on best ball season but uh let's talk about a couple more running backs James Connor 6.1 Zamir White 6k they are in the mix this week where if I'm gonna have two cheap guys like Mason and Strong then I will probably have at least one of these guys in there too do you have a lean between Connor and White I love them both um, I think I lean Zamir White. Just save a hundred bucks if you need it. 
Uh, also, the matchup with Denver is the best. Dead last in scheduled rest of points on the year, obviously. We've seen them give up running back one performances to guys like Zeke, Eckler in recent weeks, and those guys are clearly falling off a cliff. So uh, the matchup's awesome against Denver, and he's been getting a ton of work, 23.3 opportunities per game since he has been the starter. And Marv highlighted him in his expected points model this week. He is the RB7 in expected points since he took over for Josh Jacobs. So you're getting an RB1 usage at a 6K price tag. On FanDuel, I need to mention James Cook because they have the Buffalo game. So he's in a good price at 7.4. I'm interested there. And then there's no chance I could play Tony Pollard in cash. I love him as a tournament play, though. I think he's really interesting this week. If you want to wipe out that game, we'll talk about that in a second at 6.5. Let's move to wide receivers. And I'm going to be, I'm just telling you right now, I'm playing Justin Jefferson. He's in my lineup. Yep. And you compare him with CD Lamb. And I love it. I mean, how awesome would that be to have those two on an actual team? But CD Lamb, 9,300. Justin Jefferson, 8,500. We had this exact conversation about Justin Jefferson just two weeks ago against these Lions and said, hey, he's got awesome splits. Nick Mullins. His yards per attempt that game was 11.4. He just said, I'm going for it. Now he threw four picks, but he was going for it, targeting Justin Jefferson. Um, Yeah, I think both of those guys are going to be in our top plays elite. You could jam them both in this week. Uh, So I probably will be doing that. Yeah, I think you should, honestly. Like you said, you know, the wide receiver position, like Jamar Chase is in play, kind of, especially if T. Higgins isn't play, but he's not that much cheaper than... Justin Jefferson, who, you know, in this matchup should go absolutely bonkers. Detroit, so good against the run over the last six weeks, equally as bad, allowing opposing passers to average 8.7 yards per attempt. That is insanely terrible. So you're going to get, I think, downfield looks with Justin Jefferson, who's had 10, uh, 10, exactly 10 targets in three straight games. You give him that much volume, he's going to do good things. So uh, to me, those guys are in. And then obviously, CeeDee Lamb, not much to say. He's the wide receiver one in fantasy. They're motivated to win taking on the commanders. So based on roster construction, if people have one or two studs, I mean, there's guys in the middle range that also could airball. Like we like Tyler Lockett this week. We'll talk about that game, but like you look at Tyler Lockett game logs and they're scary. So it's tough for me to pay the price tag, but he's going to show up in our best plays. I bet the Dorch is also safe, but I hate paying that price tag for him. Um, He's 5.5 on Fandle, which is just, Okay, Pop Douglas, once again, we keep talking about him, and I keep not wanting to play him. Yeah, I have him in my cash article, and then I was researching a little bit more after the fact when I was looking at the defense plays this week, and we can just kind of marriage the conversation together. I think the Patriots are in play at 3,600. They're at home taking on the Jets on a slate where Carson Wentz, uh, you know, whoever else, Sam Darnold, Jeff Driscoll, all the dudes are playing this week. The Jets still have the lowest team implied total on the entire slate. So that is how the market feels about this New York Jets team. And on top of that, this could be a snow game. We have some wind in the forecast, rain, snow mix uh, with gusts up to 30 miles an hour. Currently is the outlook. So that's as a Friday morning. Make sure you're checking as the weekend goes on. But if you get that environment, I don't really want to play Pop Douglas, right? I mean, the, the upside isn't great anyway. You have those concerns with two teams that just are looking towards the offseason. So I have a little bit of worry about that. Projections are going to like him because of how he earns targets and that sort of thing. But I kind of just want to play Greg Dortch for 200 bucks more because he's actually good at the game. Yeah, and it's a higher total and everything. Just to give some context to what Betts was saying, the total, last time I checked, 
was at 30 and a half. Uh, it is tied for the second lowest since 1993, which, uh, I don't know. What were you doing then? Uh, let's see. I was two years old, so not much. Hey, that was the year the Phillies went to the World Series. So One of the shout years. Out, shout out to the Phillies. Uh, but yeah, you don't really want any part of that. Can I throw out some true punts? And I mean, like, not, like these are these are plays that you would never, ever talk about, but... Uh, for the 49ers, Ronnie Bell, who was a showdown hero one week, if you played him in yes. DFS, uh, 3.2. And then Chris Conley, who is somehow still alive, one of the true cardio kings over the last, I don't know, five to 10 years. He's 3K. You interested in a 49er receiver? The tricky thing is, is that I'm not sure you need him, right? Like if there was a slate where we didn't have these cheap running backs or quarterbacks, and you're like, man, I got to punt somewhere to save money, then yeah, those guys would absolutely be in play. I'm just not sure that you need them on the slate. So that's kind of the the tricky part. But if you do need to save money, those guys are the dudes. What if you wanted to build a lineup with just all 3K wide receivers? Ronnie Bell, Chris Conley, and Austin Trammell of the Rams. Throw Marquise Goodwin in the flex. <laughs> <laughs> just spend as little, as dr- little amount of possible, <laughs> as little money as possible on the slate. Stay like 10K under the salary cap. I dare somebody to donate their money to one of our contests and play only 3K wide receivers. <laughs> I dare you. Oh my gosh. It probably wouldn't even project that terribly on this slate. At tight end, Gerald Everett's 3.9. Trey McBride is one of our guys contractually obligated to mention him every single week. But we got to talk about Johnny Munt, man. Johnny Munt's season right now, 3K for the Vikings, 4.5 on Fandle, which is a good price on that site. If you really want to punt, you can go that direction. Uh, Noah Gray is way down there, 2.5, which feels kind of mean. Noah Gray is actually a pretty good player, and they abandoned him down there. So uh, any any leans this week? I mean, at the cheapest end there, I think Johnny Munt's a pretty solid play. We saw last week without TJ Hawkinson in that first game for the Vikings. Without him, he led Josh Oliver in routes 31-7. to that was 84% route rate, went 439-1 on seven targets. So I think that game environment, we talked about kind of that, you know, shootout appeal in the dome against the Lions makes sense to me. Um, you can also spend 900 bucks more and just play Gerald Everett again in cash. And last week, you know, the, the box score wasn't impressive by any means. He still saw nine targets. So like for a guy below 4K that's seen eight, 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 and nine targets in his last four games, you can't really ask for much more than that. So uh, against the KC backups, that makes sense to me. I mean, Johnny Munt, I mean, these these are the true goats that you will never remember that they played the NFL years from now. But Dude, what's wild yeah. is, remember the Vikings paid Josh Oliver like a three-year a contract for like $24 million or something like that? And he's just out there blocking. You got to, hey, hey, we've seen that teams really, you know, it's a good move. Like when the Patriots said, hey, let's pay Johnny Smith a ton of money to come and block. Let's the Falcons. Let's bring him in to block. Let's and, bring him and Hunter Henry. Brock Bowers to to block next year. Dude, Brock Bowers is going to be so good as a Falcon blocking for Tyler Algier on the on the punt team. Yep. <laughs> just they saw one clip of him. Like man, this guy just killed it. Uh, so yeah, uh, defense. Last thing we'll say: Cincinnati at three K, Chargers at two point eight K. Those are our top plays in DraftKings. Just find a really bad quarterback to play against. That's that's what you need to do. Let's yep. take a quick break, and we'll be right back. 
So, Betts and I have a couple of games to talk about. I will say that this week is tough to be able to look at from a pace perspective because you can look at all the metrics from the past, you know, 17, 16, 17 weeks and go, cool, uh, this is what this team has done. Now, when we have a different team with, you know, backup quarterbacks, wide receiver fours, Chris Conley's of the world running, you know, go routes, it changes how we look at stuff. So we're going to look at the games that we feel most confident going into this week. Stack attack. First game, Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. The Lions are three-point home favorites. The over-under is at 45, which for this week is awesome. Um, Detroit home games, we love them. I just love Nick Mullins so much for DFS because throws a pick six, he'll go back right back out there. And the Vikings have basically flip-flopped about a thousand times and realized, yes, Nick Mullins is a train wreck, but he pushes the ball down the field and their running game has looked really bad the last two weeks and it's not going to go very well against the Lions. So to me, this game is, if I can trust Nick Mullins and Justin Jefferson and maybe there's a third piece, it's a Munt, it's Addison, then I'm finding a Lions piece on the other side. So to me, it's a Mullins double stack with Amon Ra or Gibbs on the other side. Yeah, just to speak to it in that matchup against the Lions two weeks ago, uh, Ty Chandler was uh, pretty chalky. Remember, it was the game Alexander Madison was going to miss. Uh, eight carries, 17 yards, happened to fall in the end zone, luckily. Terrible matchup. They've been stopping everyone on the ground the Lions have, so you have to throw the football. And when you talk about kind of what Kevin O'Connell likes to do, is throw the football, no matter who's been under center, but especially when it's been Nick Mullins relative to Josh Dobbs or Jaron Hall, as we saw on Sunday night uh, on Christmas or on New Year's Eve, rather. So I think the pass temps are going to be there. So I'm with you. It's a Nick Mullins stack. I don't have any interest in either running back from Minnesota. Um, and if you're playing Mullins, the nice thing is I think there's going to be enough cheap tight ends that you can kind of still get a Johnny Munt with Justin Jefferson at a pretty uh, reasonable roster percentage. Jefferson will be mega chalk, but it's hard to poke any holes here in the spot for the passing game. Yeah, I I, I have a hard time leaning into golf. Uh, one, because it, like I hear Dan Campbell, big fan of the pot. You know, he's, we've talked about him for years. Guns Mahoney. I hear what he's saying that he wants to play as starters. I also can see a situation where the second half, they just say, Hey, we can pull our guys. So it's, it's hard for me to see them as like going balls to the walls this, this week. Goff against the blitz. We pointed that out two weeks ago. And it's one of those things where you can find production in their weapons. Like you can get it from a Gibbs and Amon Ra and not feel like Goff is going to be the one to throw three or four touchdowns. So that's what I lean that Goff's not really on our radar this week, but St. Brown is just an elite play every single week. Yeah. And in that game, we talked about that a lot too. Just the kind of on paper football guy take was like, Hey, if Minnesota blitzes and gets pressure against Goff, he usually looks for Gibbs out of the backfield or Amon Ra. And we saw so many targets for Amon Ra St. Brown in that game. Uh, against Minnesota a couple of weeks ago. So to me, um, especially with Jamison Williams kind of battling the ankle injury, I'm not sure he'll even play. If he does, I don't have a ton of interest there. Uh, not a ton of interest in Laporta this week. He's pretty expensive. Not that he can't pay it off. It's just not where I'll be spending my money. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess I'm Ra is kind of the guy. And then I'm with you on Gibbs over Montgomery. Montgomery's been really tough to play late in the year just because his stat lines are kind of like, you know, 13 to 15 carries. You're hoping for around 70 rushing yards and he has to score. And if he doesn't, that's a, a very hollow stat line. So 
no thank you for me on Montgomery uh, in this spot. So it's either Gibbs or Amon Ra. Do you think that the field looks at this game this week and says like, this is the game above everything else because the total's not great. Uh, I just wonder if like, <clears throat> I just wonder if this whole field is going to look at it and go, I guess I can get some pieces from it or I can stack with Mullins. I, I just, Gibbs and Montgomery feels like a spot where people say like, ah, I'm not going to guess right. So I'm going to move past them. So I can just see Gibbs roster percentage going lower than it should be. Yeah, I think it probably will, especially because a lot of people are going to play both Mason and Pierre Strong and then Samir White. So if you're looking for a pivot in that like 6K to 7K range, 6,700, I'm seeing right now about 7% in early runs. So it looks pretty good. All right, give me your Vegas take. Oh man, this is a tough game to handicap with just... Does Dan Campbell really want to play his guys? What do you think about that? I, that's what I was saying. Like I... I question that because they really can't game very much. I think I would take Minnesota in the points. I was going to say, if they were going to play their guys the whole time, which I hope they are, I would take the over of this game. And I also think the spread would be bigger. So I'm a little like, don't you think it'd be closer to like five and a half or something if they definitely yes. were going to. So I'm a little sketched out by that. I'll take Minnesota plus the field goal. And last question I have actually, Kyle, before we move on, is there any risk of Nick Mullins getting benched this week for cash games? There's always risk because he's a volatile player, but how fast did they bench him? Like they're not gonna they're gonna give him at least a half. I guess I just also just lean into the fact that the Lions are a great matchup. It'd be one thing if we were trying to play Nick Mullins in a non dome game against, you know, the Jets or something, but this is this is a good spot. Yeah, it is. I hope he plays well because that's their only chance to get in. So I do think he'll get the whole game. I think there is just, if you're really trying to just get into the weeds of this slate, I think there is a non-zero chance that Nick Mullins could get pulled if he plays terribly because they went to Jaron Hall over him. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I'll probably still play him. I just, uh, I'll be a little scared. It's crazy that they like had such a quick hook from Jaron Hall last week though. I don't know, man. He was bad. Very bad. (laughs) All their quarterbacks have been, well, not cousins, but next game. Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Commanders. Real quick, are the Commanders even playing this game this week? Dude, I don't know. I thought they were, but then there was a couple other beat reporters basically saying like, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few veterans sit. There have not been any specific rumors on, or or reports rather, on who that is. So man, this is a really tough team to invest in. They've got a 16 and a half implied team total. I mean, there's teams being quarterbacked by backups that have a higher team total this week. So I don't think you need any commanders, truthfully. If you want to take a shot on a pass catcher, I think it makes sense. Uh, but there's not a lot of interest from me in the spot. Yeah. Curtis Samuel's the only one. Betts has a note in here that he almost won me a million dollars. There's a lot of players that have almost won me a million dollars. So sad, man. I know. Just, just the... That would have been a Thanksgiving for the ages, huh? Yeah, Curtis Samuel, former my guy like five years ago for me. He's good. He just can't stay healthy. He he couldn't. Now he is and kind of just had this little dink and dunk roll. I think he was like wide receiver like 25 that year. So it was like, whatever. Um, Yeah, I can't really invest in anybody else. Terry McLaurin's interesting just because he's still cheap. Like he's kind of stayed at the same price forever. 5,500. Yep. So on the Dallas side, you're hoping you get an onslaught stack. They placed Deuce Vaughn 
on the IR today, which what do we do about the running back? Because this is a great spot for Tony Pollard. And every time we've ever played Tony Pollard, he has fell on his face. We know that he's allergic to touchdowns. Well, this is a great spot. Like I could see this being a two touchdown Tony Pollard game. It's a really good spot for Tony Pollard. The commanders are known, you know, for being just terrible through the air, which they are. They've also been equally bad against the uh, the run game against running backs over the last six weeks. Dead last in schedule adjusted points to running backs in that sample. Uh, bottom five in euros per carry allowed. They're also giving up a ton of rushing touchdowns, the most in that sample to running backs. So if ever there was a spot, it's this spot for Tony Pollard. I will say, I think he's going to be pretty popular. So I don't know that you're going to get a huge like discount relative to roster percentage. Which, I mean, man, this year, if you would have just faded Tony Pollard every time he's popular, you'd be... You'd be a very rich person. So if he's going to be mega mega chalk, I'll probably try to become under the weight, underweight the field. Uh, that said, no team on the slate is projected to score more touchdowns or more points. I get it. I totally get it. I, I do too. And I'm asking myself, like at 6.5, it's not too expensive. It's basically asking the question, does he get 102 touchdowns? Because if he does that, he is one of the most valuable players on the slate while everybody else is paying down, they have different roster construction. So um, I'm interested. I'm interested in playing him as just a wipeout pick from this game, though. Like, Pollard, I'm out. And last time these teams played on uh, Thanksgiving, he didn't see a ton of work on the ground, just 13 carries, but he was really efficient. 79 yards and a touchdown. Also added six catches for 24 yards. So we saw this matchup against Washington inflate his efficiency on a year where he's been one of the least efficient backs in football. So makes sense to me. You mentioned Deuce Vaughn is on IR. Rico Dattle has been dealing with an ankle injury for the last couple of weeks. He could he could get there on 18 or 20 touches. They got to sit their RB1, you know, for the playoffs. That's right. Rico. <laughs> sit Rico for the playoffs. Um, yeah, Pollard and Dak have very, like, their correlation's not great. So if you're playing Dak and Pollard together, I, I don't understand that. But if you did want to do Dak, Dak, CeeDee Lamb, and then throw in a Turd Ferguson or a Cooks, I think that could look really, really good. Um, yeah. Any, any other thoughts? I mean, Lam, remember lamb is going to be popular though. Yes. For good reason. Um, no, I think, I mean, it's very clear that the Cowboys are in a good spot here. Um, if you're thinking about their motivation and kind of incentive here, basically it's just, if they win this game, they win the two seed and the NFC East. So they're going to play their starters as long as this game is somewhat competitive. And I kind of mentioned this on Tuesday. If people are worried about, well, do they play in the last, you know, two or three drives of the fourth quarter, if they blow out the commanders and they have to sit their starters in the fourth quarter, it's probably because their starters had an incredible game. So I would not be worried about that uh, in this spot. Like I said, love the Cowboys. I don't think you need a commander this week. All right, give me your Vegas take. I'm going to lay the 13 with Dallas. The total is interesting to me. Uh, I'm hitting the under because... I just can't see Washington getting there. Last time these teams played, it was 45 to 10. So what Betts was mentioning earlier, where it's like, you don't need commanders. Other than Curtis Samuel on a really small slate, right? It was only three games. You did not need anyone else. So there's a chance that Dallas just gets there on their own. 13 points is a lot of points. But Washington's a dumpster fire. They're going to be picking second no or motivation. third. They actually are, are incentivized to lose this game for right. uh, NFL draft. So I'll take Dallas in the points. Last game, highest total of the week, Seattle at Arizona. Seattle is a two and a half point road favorite in the desert at 48. 
it's so crazy. Like when I talk to some of my friends and, you know, like I lived in the desert for a couple years. You did? Like, I know. It's just a weird, weird part of my life. So um, they are there at Arizona. It's their highest team applied total of the year. Is that a big overreaction from last week? Or is it the fact that Seattle's just been really bad defensively? Like they've regressed from what they were last year. Yeah, they've been terrible defensively. Um, And just for reference, like opponents against Seattle are running a ton of plays. So you could see elevated play volume from Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. They're at home. Um, They've kind of shown us in the last couple of weeks, like they don't really care about losing games. Like they're going to play to win. They're going to play their starters. So I really like the Arizona side of this because it's pretty clear where the ball is going. Obviously, James Conner is the dude. We're going to talk about him, I I think, a little bit more. Um, Greg Dortch is good. Whenever he gets an opportunity, he produces, did it again last week. And then it's Trey McBride. And you don't really have to get cute anywhere else. So I really like the spot for Arizona. Like you said, close spread at home. I think they're probably going to try to play spoiler here and knock off Seattle and, and get them out of the playoffs. So I'm I'm in on the, the Arizona guys. Seattle is one of the weirder teams, honestly, in the NFL. Like when I look at their stats from the year, um, they're dead last in plays per game. And it's not that they've been like really, really bad. They're eight and eight. They've had some really good wins. They played Dallas super tough that one week. But it's just that like they've been efficient. They're 10th in yards per play. They're bad in the red zone. Geno actually hasn't been that bad. Uh, I heard Rich Rebar uh, share the statistic. When he's pressured, he's dead last in yards per attempt. When he's not pressured, he's top 10. Like he's been awesome. And Arizona can't rush the pass. So I like Seattle in this game. I just feel like I'm always picking wrong who the guy is. Like we've seen blow up DK games. We know that Lockett can. JSN hasn't shown a ceiling and Ken Walker. This should be a matchup where we play him, especially on FanDuel at 7K. So do you have a read on Seattle? Yeah, it's a tough spot to try to like peg that correctly. I will say on Ken Walker uh, was on the injury report with the shoulder issue that's been bugging him. He was kind of in and out of the game last week dealing with it. You could see him grimace on the sideline a few times as they were trying to kind of work on his shoulder. So he's not right, but this is the season. Like if they lose, they're out. So I expect him to play. It's an unbelievable matchup against Arizona. So if he goes, I think he's a really good tournament play because like we said, uh, especially on FanDuel, 7K is a really good tag for him where the scoring system fits him a lot better. You're just trying to get touchdowns anyway. So I love Ken Walker for tournaments over there. And I'll say if you're making me pick a pass catcher, I think it's Tyler Lockett. Um, 7,200 on DK for, uh, for, for DK and then 5,600 for Lockett. That's a really big price gap. I know Lockett has not been good recently. Has not had a touchdown since week 10. So some would say he's due. And uh, Graham Barfield put this out on Twitter from Fantasy Points, basically looking at like what Arizona runs. They're running a ton of too high looks defensively. Against those uh, defensive coverages, Lockett actually sees a little bit more of the target share than does DK Metcalf. So I think for those reasons, I would lean Metcalf, but or, uh, would lo- lean Lockett, like I said. It's just a matter of uh, picking the right one, and it always feels like you're going to get it wrong. So I totally get that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I think this game, I like correlating pieces. So I like James Conner a lot and Lockett. I think you can like combine those two together. Um, you can go Lockett and the Dorch. You can go Lockett and uh, Trey McBride. There's just there's enough pieces here. Um, and also, I, I think Arizona's playing in a way that they're so competitive and that they can run the ball effectively enough that they can move the ball down the field. Like, when you used to look at Arizona, you're like, okay, if you can't run the ball, 
Who's going to get open for you? Like McBride can get open in zone, but they have no wide receivers that you feel scared of. They can't challenge anyone down the field. So I think it's a James Conner game, and I think Lockett is one of those players that I will be overweight the field this week. Um, hopefully we get some big explosive plays in this game. It's it's a good game. I wish it was a great game, but I feel like there's still like there's so many question marks. This game could easily dud because Seattle has inefficient moments in Arizona overall. Is not a great offense unless they play the Eagles. So, um, any other takes on this game? Yeah, we did see that last week, right? If Arizona has success, they're more than willing to run the football and kind of milk the clock. The time of possession last week against Philly was crazy. Like Philly just didn't have the ball uh, because they were able to keep getting first downs, move uh, move the the sticks, and really feed James Conner. I just want to say that the way that the Cardinals play against the way teams have played. Seattle is a match made in heaven for James Conner. Arizona has the third highest neutral rush rate over the last month. Teams that have faced Seattle are choosing to run the ball because they are terrible. Dead last in EPA per rush attempt and success rate allowed against the run since week 12 is Seattle. So this James Conner spot, man, if he's going to go underlooked, it's an awesome play. Yeah, 6,100 is a really cheap price for a guy who's been top 12 four straight games. So James Conner's a great play. Uh, any interest in Kyler? And with Kyler, like, I don't know if I can stack him with Connor. I feel like I would need somebody on the other side to really push it. And I just haven't seen Seattle be a team that like, oh, they could put up 35. Uh, that really hasn't been the case this year. No, I don't think I'm going to go to Kyler. Um, he did have his first great game last week. That, of course, was against an Eagles team that looks like they're running around blindfolded. Um, but the pass attempts and volume haven't been there. He probably has to score a rushing touchdown. So I'll just bet against it and, and probably play his teammates rather than actually go with a full stack. All right. In this game, I will take Seattle and the points. Oh, I'm going to take Arizona to pull off the upset. I mean, I can see it, but uh, give me another game. You need, you, I guess you have to talk about your Eagles, but this is a correlation play that you could at least play this week if you wanted to. Yeah, so the Eagles are just an interesting team on the slate because they're kind of in no man's land. Like they have something to play for technically. If the Cowboys lose and they win, they will be the two seed. But I don't think anyone thinks the Cowboys are going to lose to the Commanders. The games are being played at the same time. So in theory, they won't know what's happening. But if they scoreboard watch and in the second half, they see Dallas is up by a ton. Could the starters get pulled? Maybe. But at the same time, I keep talking to myself. I'm like, man, this Eagles team is so bad right now. Like They need a game where they just dominate and win. And going into the playoffs, that's what they need. So if they do that, you get a Giants matchup that's beautiful. You also get Devonta Smith unlikely to play with a high ankle sprain. So you could see, and and this week, man, everywhere you go on Twitter, it's AJ Brown drama, 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 right? You could see just an insane target share for AJ Brown this week. So I just want to point it out, no one's going to play him. He should be in your tournament radar, as should Dallas Goddard. On the other side, Tyrod Taylor stacks, man. Everyone's all infatuated with uh, the backup quarterbacks this week. Tyrod just broke the slate a week ago. I think he's going to do it again. The Eagles can't stop anyone. So I just want to point out, I think this game is is kind of sneaky. Let me give you a hot stat because teams are throwing against the Eagles 38.6 uh, times per game. That's on pace to be the sixth most of all time. So Tyrod's not usually a player that you're like, oh, I'm going to get a ton of passing volume, but it's been there. You can go, th- you can go there. So I, I agree. I-, I think that it's an underrated game that people are just going to kind of forget about because I honestly did like I, I've kind of put them off in my mind I don't really want to play Hurts Swift's in a good spot but he left people down last week so I think the roster percentage 
is going to be down a ton. Uh, potentially Saquon's last game as a giant. It's, uh, it's a lot to, a lot to play you for can, here. So You can run on the Eagles. Makes sense to you me. You can do a, a lot with the Eagles. Like, I mean, They're I so mean, bad, dude. Has any team. team ever gone from being so good to so bad? I feel like every year there's a Super Bowl hangover for at least one team, isn't there? No, no, no. From like in season. I mean, the Eagles were what, oh. like 10 and 1 at one point? <laughs> they were. Yeah, that feels like three years ago. Uh, they were 10 and 1 at one point. They beat the Dolphins, beat the Bills. Things were looking good. Then the Niners came and just dunked on us. Let's go through our slate breaker this week. One player that you think could break the slate and tell people to go overweight in GPPs last week. Kyron Williams was my pick. And I will say it might be my best slate breaker of the year. Uh, I also somehow stupidly talked about Julio Jones on Twitter, who kind of fell into two touchdowns. That's weird. Eagle great. Yep. Uh, so slate breaker this week, uh, I'm just going to bring it back old school. Since the last one of the year, last last in-season podcast, it's got to be Chili's. I'm just going to bring it back because they've gotten so much free stuff, but I need to know how we actually get a real sponsorship from Chili's this year. Do you know how? We're going to have to figure That's going to be our biggest off-season uh, task. There's people out there like, this is so easy. Here's who you talk to about marketing and sponsorships. And, and, and uh, I know like, yes, we could really like push Damon, our manager of the footballers, but like, I don't know where to start. I think it's actually better that they're not a sponsor and we just do <laughs> do this anyway. <laughs> just, and we just tag them all the time and we give them free publicity and uh, their social media game is still really great, by the way. It's awesome. So um, I'm going to go with James Conner, 6,100. RB1 in four straight games. I mentioned that. Yards after contact. He's killing it this year. And over the last six weeks, Seattle's rush defense, 31st in yards per carry, 29th in success rate, 31st in runs of first down. Our touchdowns bet mentioned a ton of different splits in terms of expected points. They've been really bad. And last week, Pittsburgh ran all over them, 197 rushing yards and three touchdowns for Najee and Jalen Warren. There's a lot of cheap running backs on this slate. And, and people are going to be playing James Conner. Like he's probably going to be top five to seven in roster percentage. But I think you should go overweight on James Conner this week. I love it. Yeah. And just for reference, like you said, he's not going to be like ultra contrarian, but man, I mean, Zamir white is a hundred bucks cheaper. He's probably going to be six or 7% higher in roster percentage. Kem Walker's right there. He'll soak up a little bit. Uh, Zeke is only 5,900. He's going to soak up a little bit. So if you play uh, enough James Conner, you can get over the field. I love that take. I'm going to throw out a wide receiver that we have not talked about much on the show today, and we haven't talked about this game. But Chicago has some motivation this week to at least knock off the Packers. If the Packers lose this game, they're out of the playoffs. So could DJ Moore and Justin Fields play spoiler this week? I think they can. The matchup and setup right now currently for DJ Moore is looking pristine. Uh, Cole Komet injured probably not going to play darnell mooney got your protocol we'll see but not really a big target earner anyway you could see darnell uh dj Moore, excuse me just push for a ton of catches and yards in this game taking on a packers team that's playing a single high look as far as their safety single high at a pretty high rate 10th uh, most over the last two months against that look this season dj Moore, 3.12 yards throughout run and we have a little extra motivation here kyle 209 yards needed to break the single season franchise record for uh, receiving for DJ Moore. So a little motivation, play spoiler against the Packers. 
receiver injuries around him. 7K DJ Moore sounds awesome. He got snubbed from the Pro Bowl. I don't know if you've seen some of those lists. Yep. But I feel like he deserved it. I feel like he's been a good Dude, wide so receiver. Ra. Well, he doesn't deserve it, but no, well, he really does. He does. <laughs> DJ Moore feels like he's been good, and this year I feel like he's moved not to great, but like what would you say in between that is? Really good? Awesome. Wow. This is the deep, deep analysis that we need. All right, one more segment. Prop it like it's hot. If you want to get all of our props, you can get them in the DFS pass. This week is especially tough. We've been kind of kind of slow because there's so much news. There's so many backups. A lot of sports books haven't been laying lines on certain games because they don't know, you know, is it Carson Wentz or whatever, and they've had to kind of wait. So um, we've rolled out a couple of different props, and I will hit you first with Terry McLaurin under 60 and a half receiving yards. He plays for the Commanders, and I'm using air quotes for that because we're not quite sure what the Commanders are going to do. Um, I feel so sad for Terry McLaurin. I feel like he should be a veteran on a team that gets a ring. Instead, he's stuck in mediocrity on a team that's going nowhere and that's going to really do it all over again with the, with the high pick. He's been under in 9 of 16 games. And against Dallas, I just don't really trust the Washington uh, offense at all. So under 16 and a half receiving yards for Terry McLaurin. Yeah, makes sense. Sadly, as a Terry truther, I'm going to take Tua in the Sunday night game under 270 and a half passing yards. This was on points bet. I think it's down to 268 and a half on FanDuel. So the line is already moving. But Tua has been under this line in four of six losses this year. Now, the spread is only three points, but the money line on DraftKings for Buffalo has a 62% implied probability. They actually also have the third shortest odds to win the Super Bowl, does Buffalo. So there's a lot of signs saying, like, I think they're going to win this game. And obviously, if they do, that means uh, not as good things for Tua in the offense. A couple other notes. Offensive line is banged up. Jalen Waddle is banged up. Tyreek Hill, as of Wednesday, after their practice, was still in a walking boot. So he's still battling that ankle injury. And Buffalo's been good, man. They're surging. They're, they're top three in EPA per pass attempt and uh, yards per attempt allowed to quarterbacks over the last six weeks. So give me two uh, under 270 and a half. Yeah, I, I think I would take take the bills and the points right now. I know we're not, we didn't get to preview that game. Um, that will be Sunday night's the last regular season game, but I like that one too. If you want to play with us, go to ballersdfs.com. It will direct you to our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg and Bets. We've got some great playoff contests coming up so if you're one of those people that said hey <clears throat> i'm waiting to win some money from you guys maybe playoffs is the time that you take it from us and there's been a lot of people taking money from us so that our kids can no longer go to college bets sign us off <laughs> yes on that extremely positive note <laughs> sign off for the for the last time for the regular season week 18 is here like i said make sure you're plugged in over the weekend tons of news still coming i'll have contests for us for the saturday slate two games and Sunday night, Buffalo and the Dolphins. Good luck this weekend. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.